Welcome back to the Local Soccer Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnayer. Today, we're going to be looking at our very first supporter-owned and supporter-run club, the Palm Beach Breakers. Uh, so my name is Christian Fronick. I'm the club general manager for Palm Beach Breakers. Uh, we've been um, competing for, it'll be five years this summer. And um, originally started as Gold Coast Enter uh, in 2017, the summer of 2017. But let's take a step back. As I was explaining uh, to Kartik, um, in the beginning, before even uh, trying to get a club up and running, uh, I had kind of studied and, and had, had, had found it very interesting and unique and attractive uh, for um, fan-owned clubs um, in, in the rest of the world because there weren't too many in the United States. And there's, there's some um, good examples throughout the world. Uh, ultimately, they become pretty commercialized. Uh, for instance, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, but there are clubs in the lower leagues uh, around the world that are fan-owned. And um, so I was looking for something, uh, a good example in the United States that we might be able to, to or, or, or that might be uh, an example to, to build off of. And at the time, which was probably like 2014, 15, something like that, um, before I even thought about starting a club, I was just curious uh, what other example, examples in the United States there might be. And at the time, there was a thing called Nashville FC, but there was so much strangeness going on with their fan-owned uh, model and uh, it eventually uh, went away and became something different altogether, I think. Um, but San Francisco, San Francisco City FC, which uh, is where I went to undergrad and where I did my master's of law, and I was very familiar with the community and the people, and, and um, so I did, I did a lot of investigating into how they were set up as best I could without really knowing anybody with the club, but I reached out to the people in the club who helped run the club and they're all very nice and very helpful. And, um, so I kind of, uh, took the information they gave me and set it aside and started to think of ways that maybe I could apply it here in South Florida. And, uh, this is kind of a very, um, um, uh, not a very straight path to how we came to be, right. which is initially, I was I was thinking if we could come up with a very marketable name for the ML, MLS club, then we could we could make that name valuable and trademark it and everything, uh, and maybe the the fans of Inter Miami could own the name, and then the club would pay a certain amount of money to a supporters trust to use the name was it would be a nominal nom nominal amount just more of a way to get uh fans and supporters interested in doing something very creative and unique for mls and providing in a way fan ownership well that got that got thoroughly badmouthed by a, by a few who were uh mls uh I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> they were MLS only fans, right? Is that what we would call them? They were 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I don't think MLS would have gone for it anyway. But, uh, but uh, I mean, I'm not trying to say Inter Miami shouldn't be Inter Miami. And yes, the words Inter Miami were used prior, but me and a few others helped really market that as what we hoped would be um, a name that they would use and maybe even uh, help build a supporters trust with. Um, so that didn't work. And I, and in the process, and well, first of all, Beckham wasn't working. It was taking forever. So um, in the process, I moved from Sunny Isles, which is Miami Dade, and then up to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I could still kind of keep going with the, with the whole inner Miami thing while I was in Fort Lauderdale because it was close enough. But then when I moved to Palm Beach County, uh, the distance just was too far. And the people who were, who didn't, weren't understanding what, what the idea was behind we were try, what we were trying to create just had become too much of a, of a pain. So I just shifted my focus and, and I was looking around Palm Beach County and I was like, there's really not that many clubs and teams in Palm Beach County. There should have been a lot more. I think at the time there was Jupiter United, there was uh, um, maybe Hurricane or Hurricane was just starting. And then, uh, but Boca, Boca Raton FC had started. But those were really, there was only like three uh, semi-professional clubs and they were all run by private individuals doing it for whatever different reasons that they had in mind. And I was, so I was playing actually in a local competitive rec uh, league called BASL. And um, I was like, wait a second, there's, there seems to be fairly decent amount of uh, players in this, in this rec league. And so I talked to the guy who runs BASL down here and I told him the whole concept of, you know, I want to, I want to start a, a team in this league that eventually will grow into an actual club that will represent West Palm beach and, and the, and the greater West Palm beach area. And he was totally on board. And so we went from uh, a summer of just getting a bunch of, people that didn't know each other onto a team or only knew each other from playing in that league. And, uh, we, uh, we were horrible our first season and I was actually playing. And then I kind of stepped out of the playing, <laughs> playing part and just, uh, tried to manage things and, and help the players see the vision. And after a year uh, or a little more than a year of playing in that league, we won, won the regular season, won the playoffs and, the players were like, "We get, let's do it. Let's go. Uh, let's go test ourselves against the rest of these semi-pro teams in South Florida." And um, in the process in creating Gold Coast Inter, uh, you know, we, we reached out to people in the community who respond. Some responded uh, pretty favorably or wanted to know more about it. But really, a lot of our interest and a lot of our support comes even outside of South Florida. So all of these people started saying, yeah, you know, we're following you. We like what you're doing. And uh, we jumped to UPSL out of that BASL and uh, in our first season and caught the interest of uh, a kit, uh, a guy that was starting out as a kit provider. And that is Icarus FC. And um, they came up with a whole new 
we told him we were kicking around the idea of an, another name not to replace Gold Coast Dinner, but would have been um, supplemental. And he was like, no, that's the name you got to go with for the whole club. And here I'm going to design you these amazing uh, kits that everybody's going to love. And um, it all started to come together. And um, the, the, we continued to compete and push ourselves and made the playoffs and um, continued in UPSL and then moved to uh, FGCL and then moved to NSL. And so we've kind of bounced around. And um, each time we we seem to gain more interest, and we're we're now in our fifth year, and um, or going into our fifth year, and uh, we had been speaking with uh, Nisa probably about a year or a year and a half ago, um, because I guess they just because of the the general interest in our club, they were. They wanted to know if we were interested in joining them, and we had probably reached out to them as well. In fact, back in, I want to say like 2016 or so, Peter Wilt and I were on a, a conference call together um, when NISA was first, the, con- the concept was kind of coming together, and they let us know what they were looking for, and they were 100% behind fan-owned clubs and wanted as many uh, viable fan-owned clubs as they could get in their organization. But uh, obviously these things take time. And really, NISA League was, uh, it is at this point too far ahead of, of where we are. But um, NISA Nation is a different matter, and that's something that fits what we're looking for a lot better. And I spoke with um, Ron Patel probably, I don't know, four or five months ago. Um, but prior to that, had spoken with uh, John Pretch's son, whose name escapes me at the moment. And um, they invited us for the, the first tournament that was down in, at Miami FCU that they won. And um, it just has always been uh, a very good open dialogue with NISA. And I think uh, both of our visions are, are, are you know, they uh, dovetail quite nicely. So assuming everything keeps going well on their side, everything uh, goes well on our side, then I think it, this could really be a good example of what can happen um, for any club that's interested in, in becoming part of NISA, whether NISA League or NISA Nation, but especially for fan-owned clubs that um, are wondering where they fit in, in in the grander scale. What is so unique about the Palm Beach market? Because obviously it's a market that has great television ratings and interest in, in general uh, soccer, professional soccer, uh, ratings for the Premier League, ratings for U.S. men's national team matches, etc., uh, but had been underserved. So so how are you finding that market? Because it's, it's obviously a great local market. Right. So I think people are just uh, – the right people are just starting to realize – uh, the value of that. So West Palm Beach uh, clubs have gone from just us, from, which in 2017, to now there's at least four or five that say they're from West Palm Beach. So I think, um, and it's no secret, we have it up on our Facebook page, you know, uh, the, the stats that you're talking, some of them anyway, that you're talking about. And um, I don't know why exactly it gets such high ratings, 
uh, I'm glad it does. And the trick is to uh, then turn that into getting people's interest in the local game. And it's going to take some work because it's not as sexy or anything like that. And uh, But once people hopefully uh, start to start to take on start to uh realize i guess maybe the value of 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 the community having its own club or clubs um uh then hopefully then this thing can really start to to gain some traction the uh, supporters uh, culture, right? You, you you mentioned you came out of the the supporters of uh, the future MLS club, and then obviously uh, you have a history in AO, and and there are a lot of people who who, who AO serves as a gateway, or whatever U.S. Right. men's national men's and women's national team support group that serves as a gateway. Uh, what what's your sense uh, on that? The supporters culture and 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 that helping to build the club culture. Right. I think, uh, you know, that can be a little hot and cold. I, I've known, uh, uh, or I know the, the, and I can, his name escapes me, the, the guy with the beard that's now into car racing that uh, runs AO West Palm Beach. And um, um, I think the hardest part is that, you know, nobody gets paid to do it. Right, yeah. So it's hard for there to have some, to be some consistency. Plus people move away, get married, have kids, things like that. But I think AO um, has a place. I just don't think it's as big a place maybe as it was previously, but that can all change obviously with a, a World Cup that, that the USA can qualify for. That, that, that changes things significantly. Um, so I think we're, we were in a bit of a lull as far as uh, national team uh, support. Um, but uh, as we get going towards uh, the next World Cup, Hopefully that'll pick up a bit, and it's just—I mean, anytime you get more interest in the game, um, you know, it's a, a, a rising tides lift all boats type situation. You hope, anyway. Yeah, and so, uh, Christian, tell us where you can find information about the Breakers, and also uh, your your profile. You run a couple of other soccer entities, uh, Route One and others. So, uh, g- give the listeners information on all of that. A- absolutely. So. If you're looking for information on the breakers, we do have a website called that needs to be updated. So if you run into any issues, just email us. Um, but uh, thebreakersafc.com. And uh, I've decided to keep it as at least confusing as possible, hopefully. So all social media is at thebreakersafc um, on, on uh, Facebook, on uh, Instagram, on Twitter. Fantastic. And, and Route 1, which you, you run oh, and, yeah, and does yeah. some good Sorry. stuff. So, yes, as uh, Kardik is pointing out, and um, I don't every day go out and remind people, but I do every now and then point out that I do. Uh, I am very active on Twitter as Route 1 Soccer, R-O-U-T-E, number one soccer. And then I also have uh, another one called at Route 1 Sports, where I uh, get to support the Georgia Bulldogs and Miami Hurricanes and, uh, you know, other teams that I, uh, that I find interest in. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, you know, if nothing else, uh, follow the breakers AFC on all social media and route one soccer. And I try to do interesting stuff on all of them as much as possible. Keep the breakers AFC a little more, uh, business-like, but route one soccer is kind of my sounding board where I get to 
I do uh, a South Florida poll weekly, typically, where I rank all of the the local soccer teams, everything from Inner Miami all the way down to um, you know, uh, let's see, whatever uh, the Gold Coast League, I guess. <laughs> Gold, uh, um, Gold is it Gold Coast League? What is it called? Yeah, Florida Gold Coast Florida, League. Florida yeah, Gold Coast League. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so, uh, yeah, I try to keep it interesting and get people interested. And sometimes on Route 1 Soccer, and sometimes I try, I do purposely try to be a little provocative to hopefully, uh, you know, gain more interest. Uh, I figure it, if I can just get people to uh, interact a little more, then hopefully that'll show them, you know, how much we actually have to offer here in South Florida because there is a lot of soccer. <laughs> 